Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue from where we left off last week in our discussion of election. The meaning of the doctrine of election is the sovereign act of God in grace whereby certain people are chosen from among mankind for himself. There are four basic errors you can make on the issue of election. Exploring these will be well worth our time. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he discusses these errors in today's slice of the message entitled, He Chose Us in Him, Part 2. Of those famous five points of Calvinism, one of them is the most controversial. Um, it is, again, understand, not authored by, uh, by John Calvin, but there is the teaching that says, or, or there are the people who say that the Bible teaches that Jesus died for the sins of the chosen ones. Jesus died for the sins of the elect. Well, that's patently obvious. No one's going to get into heaven without a Savior. There's only one Savior. It has to be what Christ did for them on the cross. But these folks say that he died for the sins of the elect and for no one else. And I have been told you should not say to an unbeliever that the gospel includes saying Christ died for our sins. Because you don't know if he died for their sins because he came only for the purpose to die for only certain people, and he did not die in any way for anybody else, right? So, Calvinism is a good summary of the Reformation in bullet points, but it's not inspired. And I've always taken the position, and I articulated it when I first had to uh, wrestle with some different traditions in helping our Russian brothers and sisters understand these things, But I've always hit on saying this way, I won't subscribe to any doctrinal position, even if it's the favorite of my friends, if it requires me to explain that a passage of the Bible doesn't mean what it says. And this is an example. Let's look at it for just a second. And I will not stay down deeper and come up drier than anybody you've ever heard, at least I hope not. 1 Corinthians 15, famous recapitulation of the gospel. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Remember, he'd spent 18 months there in in ministry. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. So he says, This is what I preached when I came there before you responded to the gospel. This is my my gospel message. The gospel which I preached to you, which you also received... There's the human responsibility. In which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So he ties it directly to the Old Testament, exactly as predicted, according to the Scriptures. And Paul says that he preached when he came to Corinth. This is before there were believers there. His first gospel message, when he came and he, and he reasoned in the synagogue, when he went to the Gentiles, this was his message. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He did not wait until after some people believed and then say to them, Christ died for your sins, but not your neighbors, not for anybody else. He preached Christ died for our sins. So there's this, I think it's kind of an overwrought, overemphasis of the atonement that turns the gospel into the alleged good news that you can go and say to anybody, Christ may have died for your sins. That, that's highly problematical. Or Jesus says, come to me and, well, I, I might give you rest for your soul. Okay, that's, that's not the message. There's a parallel. He died for our sins uh, according to the Scriptures, all those pictures, all those illustrations. Well, one of those pictures is the, uh, the Day of Atonement in Israel, Yom Kippur. And there we're told that the priests had to go through all sorts of things. And then that one time a year, the one high priest was to go into the Holy of Holies and he was to uh, have brought the right sacrifices and he would sprinkle the blood on behalf of the people there. And you read several times, and I'm not going to take you there, but you can go back and look through the passages. He was to make atonement for all the people, for all of Israel. Now, is everyone that was alive under the Old Covenant from the time that the ministry of the tabernacle began up until Christ, was every single one of them saved? No. But every year, atonement was made for all of them. But the spiritual effect of that atonement is for those who believed. 1 John 2 um, says this, verses 1 and 2. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He gave Himself as the... I'm sorry, and He Himself is... The propitiation, that means a satisfactory sacrifice which deals with the wrath of God. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. Now, who would be the antecedent of our? Well, the guy that wrote it and the people that he wrote it to, the people to whom he addressed the the letter of 1 John. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So, I don't think you can get much clearer than that. Unless everyone who ever takes a breath on the top side of this planet will all be saved, unless that's the case, the atonement of Jesus Christ is limited. People like to argue over this point, limited atonement or special redemption. Of course it's limited. If it's not, you have to be a universalist. Everybody will be saved and there's no need to preach. No need to share the gospel. The limitation is not in who he died for because there is no doubt about what this text and others say. The limitation is in the application of the the atonement because most people refuse to believe and thereby receive what is the free gift 
of eternal life in Christ Jesus. So then somebody might argue, well, yeah, but God knew in advance who would because He chose them. Yeah, leave it alone. Okay, don't, don't try to make a doctrine that means that you have to unsay what a verse says. There's this one too, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. That's not unclear, all right? The Savior of all men, that's pretty universal, especially. Now, there's a limiting word. It's a really cool little Greek word, malista. If you're a, if you're a, a, a grammar geek, this is a superlative form of a comparative word, so it means most, most of all, above all, or especially. So, he's the Savior of all men but in a very special way of believers, in a way that doesn't apply to unbelievers. So understand, the reason that anyone goes to hell, to to, to the lake of fire, it's not because of something Jesus didn't do for them. It's not His fault. it's, It's definitely not because of the doctrine of election, I know of one situation of somebody who just, it was heartbreaking. They, they had a, a child they'd raised in the church. They'd heard the gospel. They'd, they'd professed Christ and then as an adult uh, walked away. And this person's take on the doctrine of election is they didn't want anything to do with the doctrine of election, of election because they said, that's the reason that my son can't be saved. That's so, that's such a, a, a I don't know what to say, such a wrenching of what it actually does mean. If somebody goes to the lake of fire, it's because they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2.1 will be there in a few weeks, Lord willing. If they go there, it's because, as we saw last week, they have prepared themselves for destruction. Romans chapter 9, verse 23. If someone's in the lake of fire, it's because the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they may not see the light of the gospel. It's not because the gospel doesn't apply to them, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Or it's because the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil, John 3.19. So, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. The doctrine of election which is pretty prominent here in Ephesians 1.4, has nothing to do with why most people are not saved. It has everything to do with explaining why is anyone saved. Romans 3, 10 through 12, the, sort of the, the summary of the first section of the book of Romans. It uh, contains quotes from Psalm 14 and Isaiah 53. Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So how does anybody get saved? By the grace of God, by His power, by His choice and for His glory. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.